0: afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. It's going to be a wonderful hour. I've got uh, Ken Samples as my guest, and there's a um, great passage in John chapter 17 that uh, Jesus um, says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Talking about unity and how important is Christian unity. And recently, Ken did a little Facebook experiment uh, to see what's more important, unity or diversity. We're going to talk about that today. Um, so I'm always glad to have Ken on the show. Every time the calendar turns, uh, I always think, ah, it's the first Monday I get Ken samples," So I get to look forward to that. And today is the first day with uh, Daylight Savings gone, so right now... It's pretty dark out here at the start of the hour, which is kind of crazy. That says winter's a coming. So uh, Ken is not only a philosopher and theologian, but he uh, just loves helping people understand uh, how reasonable Christian truth claims are, which I love, because I think when you come to faith in Christ, there should be a completely, a, a wave of reason that comes over you that, that that says, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. This is the greatest news I've ever heard. And that is the reason that you want to come to faith in Christ, because you've heard the truth, the Holy Spirit has shown you truth, and you've come to accept that. And that's a powerful moment in your life. I know most listeners right now have had that moment. So if you've not had that moment, uh, let us know how we can help. Let us know what you would like from us. You can always email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. I will engage with you personally if you want to have your questions answered. I'll always do my best. But Ken is a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe, and he's the author of several books, including Classic Christian Thinkers, Seven Truths That Changed the World, and God Among Sages. Ken, welcome to the show once again. Hey, Bill. It's good to be with you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And it's a pretty amazing week before us, and you conducted a pretty interesting experiment when it came to the subject of unity or diversity. You did that on Facebook. Tell tell us about that.
1: Yeah, thank you very good, very much for that, Bill. Um, I appreciate you read John seventeen. I, I think that that's a very important passage, and in my own ministry, I, I try to emphasize truth, unity, and charity. That is, I'm I'm always willing to contend for the truth. Uh, that's very important, especially in a time where people think that truth can be relative. But I'm also concerned that um, we are. In unity. That is, I like to reach across the denominational table to people who come from different backgrounds, but believe in the same Lord that I do. And then, of course, uh, you know, you can do a lot of things, but if you're not charitable, if if love is not a part of what you're doing, um, as Paul says, you know, you're just kind of a a noisy sound that isn't really very effective, so what I did was I have about five thousand Facebook friends, and uh, most of them are probably Protestant evangelicals but i I have Catholic friends as well, uh, and I have some orthodox eastern orthodox friends and so I decided to put a little post up um, i i I said this I said uh, when it comes to unity or the agreement among Christians versus diversity or the disagreement among Christians, uh, I said both of them are true. Uh, Christians have lots in common, but the denominations also have uh, very real differences. And so it's true that there is agreement and disagreement, unity and diversity, but I asked the question, which of the two leaves you with a greater impression? Uh, is it A, the unity, and that's, I would describe it as the the common doctrinal ground that's shared among all of conservative Christendom. So this would include uh, Eastern Orthodoxy, it would include Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. And of course, there are many denominations within Protestantism. And I think a good source of that unity historically has been in some of the creeds that are, are commonly Uh, recited within churches like the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Those creeds really touch on the points of unity. They don't get at uh, points of difference. But then there's a B. So you could go with A, but then you you could choose B. And that would be, does the diversity leave a greater impact? And that would be the doctrinal differences. And those differences have been expressed in the two major divisions within Christendom. Uh, In the 11th century, there was what we call the Great Schism. Uh, Prior to that, there was just one Christian church, but in 1054, the East and West split, and they became the Orthodox and Catholic churches. Then later in the Reformation of the 16th century, the Western church split again, and that would be Catholic and Protestant. So I essentially asked my Facebook listeners to tell me, Is it the agreement that leaves a greater impression on you, or is it the disagreement that leaves the greater impression on you? And Bill, the reason I did this was I just completed a new book where one of the questions that I tried to respond to was, is Christendom hopelessly divided? And uh, John 17 is very important to me. I, uh, again, I hope that when I die, somebody will stand up at my funeral and say, you know, Ken Samples believed in truth, unity, and charity. If they do, uh, I'll be very pleased.
0: Well, um, that's a beautiful sentiment. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so I'm real curious. This is a fascinating experiment. And I'm, I'm just dying to kind of hear which got the most votes and, and how your, uh, your listeners on Facebook responded to this, uh, this question presented to them.
1: Yeah, I uh I I would say that there was an overwhelming um choice of of the first one the unity uh where Christians uh, share real common ground. Uh the vast majority of people landed uh on on A, the first one. There were people however who did say B and there were two, there were also people that were, were a little uncomfortable about picking one or the other. They felt that both kind of left them with impression. And I'll tell you, Bill, the, the reason I came up with this kind of thought experiment um, is I am often asked uh, at Biola University, they'll invite me over to speak to, uh, they, they offer a Master of Arts degree in apologetics, but they'll often ask me to come over in the summer and give a talk in which I talk about apologetics, but I talk about apologetics within the context of broader Christendom, because you know there have been some great Catholic apologists, there have been some great Orthodox apologists, so they, they will have me come and kind of give this inner Christendom apologetic presentation, and that's what I tell them. I say, look, I'm not going to tell you what to believe, I'm not going to I'm not gonna tell you where to come down when it, if, and of course I'm speaking to evangelicals at Biola University, I, I, don't, I tell them, I'm not gonna tell you what to believe about Catholicism and Orthodoxy. What I want is you to leave tonight uh, looking very carefully at the things we have in common, as well as reviewing the sharp areas of difference, and you make up your own mind. And I, I think if I've done that, I've done the work of an educator.
0: That's fascinating. Um, so the draw for unity uh, is probably the easier place to go for most people if they're responding to a survey. Would you get? Would you say that that might be the the the, the knee jerk response? Unity.
1: I, I think it is a. I think it is a, a very important response. Mm -hmm. That is, um, I I think it's a very important response. I think it's a very significant response. And again, in my kind of thought experiment on Facebook, it was overwhelming unity. But you know, Bill, I wonder what the non-Christian would say. And I think I know. Um, I had an atheist say to me one time, he heard a talk that I gave, and he came up to me and he said, you know, I liked your talk. Uh, you tried to present Christianity in the most reasonable fashion. He said, I like that. They said, here's my question for you, Ken. If I were to become a Christian, which Christianity? You seem divided. So I think there are many people that would naturally, and I, I'll, I'll tell you my own bias. Uh, I like to think of it as my own insight. I would move toward the unity. I think the unity is much more significant than the diversity. There are Christians who would disagree with me, but from an apologetic standpoint, I think a lot of times non-Christians perceive the diversity or what is in their mind disunity.
0: Mm, Really, really fascinating. All right, Ken, uh, I got some questions that are going to be popping up from time to time, and we're going to stay focused on this very interesting topic of unity and diversity, But because you're a reliable uh, resource that I look forward to talking to every month, as do my listeners, we're going to still get other questions, uh, some related, some unrelated, if that's okay with you. You bet. Yeah. Um, So the one question I I have from a listener is, uh, my question is, with the knowledge of the word, how does it transform your heart and actions? Kind of a deep question, but you're a philosopher, so go ahead. Have at it.
1: Yeah. Um, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting question. All right. And it,
0: I'll it's, take a break, and we'll come back. We'll pick that up. How's that? That sounds I'll good. Give you a second to think about it. Ken Samples is my guest. We're talking about unity and diversity today. He's got some fascinating results from a Facebook survey he did. We'll talk about that. But there's also time for questions. If you have questions about unity or diversity, send a text to 877-933-2484. So glad to have Ken Samples as my guest, the theologian and philosopher. Go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. So, a question that I gave you right before the break, and I gave you 90 seconds to think about it, as a listener said. So, my question is with the knowledge of the word,
1: how does it transform your heart
0: and actions?
1: I really appreciate that question, and I think it, it's really kind of ideal in what we're talking about because, Bill. I would consider Scripture the universal Christian voice. I mean, here, here you have Christendom, uh, historic Christianity, if you will. You've got Orthodox, you've got Roman Catholic, you've got Protestant. There are agreements and there are disagreements, but what they all have is a, an inspired voice that is heard in Scripture. Now, of course, Orthodox and Catholic are also going to talk about things like uh, tradition, and uh, authority, and that's that's part of the debate. But scripture is is unique. I I think that uh, I think Catholic thinkers like Saint Augustine or Thomas Aquinas, or Eastern Orthodox scholars like Saint Athanasius, uh, and Protestant thinkers like Luther and Calvin and and others, I think all of them would recognize that the Bible is the Word of God. It is inspired. It is inerrant. It is written by the Holy Spirit, and so when Scripture speaks it uh, it speaks with divine inspiration and I think that uh, what is very critical about the Bible is that we should allow the Bible uh, to develop the way we we think and believe our our beliefs should be consistent with God's word, and we should seek to look at our life in light of God's Word. And of course, we could have conflicts on one side or the other. It it could be that maybe somebody believes something that maybe they don't have real good biblical support for it, or maybe they struggle to kind of conform their life to the biblical pattern. But I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says, watch your life and your doctrine closely, and uh, I'll tell you, when I was a sophomore in college, 20 years old, uh, grew up nominal Catholic, went to church on all the important holidays, but really didn't live out my my Christian commitment or my Catholic commitment, it was Scripture that reached in and grabbed my heart and my mind. And uh, I would again say that Scripture is the universal Christian voice and I love that, because I, I can talk to any Christian and reference Scripture, and we all have that, that deep common ground. Mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful. Another uh, question from a listener, can we be truly unified with such vast differences in the beliefs in the justification and sanctification process between
1: Protestantism and Catholicism? Yeah, that's a that's a very that's a very powerful question, and and of course that reaches right into the Protestant Reformation. Um, you know, the big I think the really big differences between Catholics and Protestants are probably first of all authority. Is Scripture the supreme authority? Protestants refer to that as sola scriptura. Scripture is kind of the final court of appeals. Roman Catholics kind of have a, a a a tripartite they have scripture they have ap- apostolic tradition and then they have the magisterium which is made up of the popes and the bishops and they interpret that revelation so that would be a a really big difference but your your caller your texture there has raised the second question that I think is critical and that is the question of justification uh, by faith, um, this is what Catholics would say about justification. They would say that a person is saved through the sacraments of the church it 's the sacraments of the church that convey the grace of God, and so when you're when you 're baptized uh, when you when you take the Eucharist, when you go to confession, they have they have seven sacraments. Well, the sacraments are god 's way of giving grace. So salvation is provided by sacramental grace. It is through faith. That faith must be in Christ, but it also must have a component where you cooperate in works of loving obedience. Now here's the Protestant view. The Protestant view is that you're saved or justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. So the difference, it seems to me, between Catholics and Protestants is the very Im- important differences in the exact relationship between grace, faith, and works. Protestants would emphasize that we're justified by grace through faith alone, apart from works. Catholics would say, we are justified by grace through faith, but completed in works. And of course, uh, What's important there to say, however, is that Protestants are not comfortable with the idea that you're justified by faith alone. They also think that that works are the fruit of your justification, not the root of your justification. So these are very important differences, but some would suggest that they're not so far apart that there cannot be real dialogue and discussion about the depth of unity that we have. Mm -hmm.
0: Ken, is it more important to find the commonalities for the sake of sharing the gospel, or maybe being aware of diversities to avoid bad doctrine, or are they equally important?
1: Those are really good questions. Um, I I think that—I think it is very common for, particularly for evangelical Protestants— Sometimes to think of their faith in very personal terms, and that's good because uh to have a saving relationship with god you you have to have a real intimate relationship between you and God. Um, however, when we think of Christianity in a broad context, Christianity is not merely individual people having a relationship with God. It is this historic movement that has been around for 2,000 years and is reflected in many churches and denominations. And so when we talk about faith, are we talking about our private faith, our personal faith, or are we talking about historic Christianity? And what I like to do is I talk about both. I talk about my personal faith in the Lord. I talk about my testimony, how I came to know the Lord, Uh, I talk about my own commitment to the Lord. Uh, But I'm also very cognizant that I'm not speaking for God alone. Uh, The church is broad and wide, and I like to make it very clear that while Christians carry most things in common, there are some areas of difference. And I want the non-Christian to be educated in that, so that they're not confused by, uh, you know, maybe their own, their own perceptions.
0: Mm-hmm. Really appreciate that answer. Um, listener asked this: Ken, do you think Jesus in Luke sixteen nineteen to thirty three, Lazarus and the rich man, is giving a, giving us a warning of hell for the non believer? The rich man had most of his senses; he had memory, he could hear and see Abraham. His tongue was burning. But he could never cross back over because of the chasm.
1: Yeah, you know what's very interesting, Bill, uh, and your again that question is very relevant. Um, the person in the New Testament that talks the most about hell is Jesus Himself. That that's kind of striking that that love incarnate, um, God in in human flesh. Uh, and when I first read the Gospels, I was struck by two things: that Jesus' ministry is always driven by two things—truth and love. But I think w- whether Jesus is giving us a a a story there, whether he is giving us, you know, a a true to life event, I think it is very startling and gripping that Jesus talks about the reality of hell. That a person uh, without a Savior who stands before God will be judged. I don't know what the exact punishment will be. I don't know if it, it will be fire. Uh, there are various metaphors that are used of the terrors of hell, uh, eternal called eternal conscious punishment. But it is uh, quite obvious you don't want to be the recipient of God's wrath. You want to be the recipient of His grace, and all you would need to do is to call out to him, repent of your sin, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Uh, thus, if, if, you, uh, if, you don't, if you don't like hell, if hell is an uncomfortable thing, remember Jesus is the one who talks a lot about it.
0: Yeah, good point. Ken Samples is my guest. We're talking about unity and diversity. We're going to have time for some questions. If you'd like to send me a text, 877 877- 9332484. Again, 877 We'll be back just a minute. Ken Samples is my guest. He is a philosopher and theologian, and he loves helping people understand uh, the reasonableness and relevance of the truth claims of Christianity. He is a senior research fellow at Reasons to Believe. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken and his colleagues. They're very smart people. He's author of several books, including Classic Christian Thinkers, Seven Truths That Changed the World, and God Among Sages. We're talking today about unity or diversity. This was a Facebook little experiment he did, finding out where people are at. And I was wondering, Ken, is the impact of the diversity contingent on
1: how core it is to their faith? Yeah, I I think that the people that gravitated toward diversity, um, and, and again, that diversity would... Would be reflected among the three major branches of Christendom: Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant. Um, and I, I I think what leaves a deep impression there at times is that the differences that Christians have are not significant. They, they may even be what I would say intractable, meaning that they may be unresolvable. I mean, maybe the unity that Jesus speaks of in John 17 will only be an eschatological oneness, meaning that maybe it will take the end of the world, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the consummation of all things before Christ's church is one. But even if that's the case, and I don't know that that's the case, but that's a possible interpretation, I think I'm drawn to try to have a ministry of unity. But to answer your question directly, uh, Bill, I think that many people— their impression is left with the diversity because the differences are not trivial. Uh, they are about authority. Is it is it scripture or is it scripture and tradition? What is the place of the Pope? Um, and then it is the question of salvation itself. And uh, there is a lot of agreement. Uh, Protestants would say that you're saved by Sola Gratia, that Latin for grace alone, and uh, Catholics and Orthodox would agree by saying that that salvation, they believe in the primacy of grace. They don't believe that good works save them, but there there are these debates, and so that's of course what I want my students to come away from. I want them to, you know, I read the Apostles' Creed, I re, re, I read the Nicene Creed, I talk about, I enumerate the doctrines that all of Christendom agrees with, because I want them to feel the force of that, and then I introduce them to the to the differences, and I I think that some go gravitate toward the diversity because these are not these are not um, small things. Mm-hmm. Though though uh, the unity may, in my opinion, be much greater.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, historically, what are the immovables in Christianity?
1: Yes. Well, uh, in the Great Schism in the 11th century, the division within Christendom that ended up with the Eastern Church and Western Church, the... Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church, uh, there was the debate about the authority of the Pope. And in the Orthodox tradition, they have uh, what they call patriarchs. They would be the bishops who would oversee a broad area of Christendom. So there was a debate. Uh, The Orthodox were willing to say that the Pope is the first among equals, but they are equal. And the Catholic Church insisted, know that Peter is the vicar of Christ he is he is the uh, authority over all of Christendom. That was a major division. Uh, there were other divisions there was I think a minor division over the Trinity uh, relating to the procession of the Holy Spirit. but you know th- that's important to affirm all Christians believe in the Trinity all conservative theologically. Christendom. Uh, they believe in the humanity and divinity of Christ. They believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. They believe in, in creation. So the unity is very strong. Now again, if we shift back to the Western Church, Catholics and Protestants, their differences is again about authority. Is Scripture the final court of appeals, or is the Scripture to be interpreted in light of tradition by the Church's magisterium, the Pope? And his bishops. There's the debate about justification. Are we justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? Or are we justified and sanctified by grace through faith in Christ, but completed by works of loving obedience? And then of course there's another issue that is uh, pretty strong between Catholics and Protestants. It would be whether Mary and the Saints uh, in the Orthodox and Catholic traditions, they uh, they honor Mary and the saints. Um, are they to be given respect, or are they to be given actual honor and veneration? That would be another area of of uh, debate.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, I th- I think it was uh, Saturday was uh, Reformation Day. Um, right. So here's a Martin Luther quote for you. So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this, I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is there, I shall be also.
1: Yeah, October 31st uh, is not just Halloween. It's reformation day and martin luther was really the person uh he was he was the person who who was the leader of the reformation the the german german christian and uh luther was fond of uh talking about his battles with the devil and that uh you know if if the devil is to bring up your sins Uh, you are to bring up Christ. And uh, what I think is very interesting, Bill, because uh, October 31st is Reformation Sunday, but November 1st on the historic Christian calendar is All Saints Day. Hmm. And uh, I think it's important for, and and I communicate this a lot to my evangelical friends, that there are really great Christian thinkers in all of these traditions. I mean, in Orthodoxy, Wow, I can't tell you of a more important Christian than Athanasius, who uh, who who fought tooth and nail for the Trinity and the deity of Christ. Um, in the Catholic tradition, you have saints like Augustine and Aquinas. I mean, these are two of the brightest bulbs in all of Western <laughs> civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you then in Protestantism, uh, Luther and Calvin and Wesley. So. I, I think that, uh, I'll put it in these terms, Bill, knowing about these people and how tenacious they were and devoted they were has really enhanced my faith. Knowing who they were, um, we we just have uh, an enormous, uh, we have great allies in the history of our faith. Mm-hmm.
0: Such a fascinating study you did, uh experiment on Facebook, asking if unity or diversity in Christendom leaves the bigger impression on them. I'm wondering, Ken, if the default that we have when we interact with people is to look for unity or look for diversity. What does human really nature say?
1: I, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm not sure, uh, you know, you have these... Personality tests that you take i I forgot the the name of the one, but you end up you know i n j i or something <laughs> like that it, uh-huh. it tells whether you 're an introvert or an extrovert and all of we we took all these tests that reasons to believe is uh, i think the the goal was the more we know about each other, the more we can cooperate and work with each other but I know what, what i what came out in one of my tests and I think it corresponds to my personality uh I'm a person who gravitates toward unity uh my the first question of in my mouth when I talk with another Christian is what do we have in common and Bill, when I do that i mean i'm asked I have debated Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox, and I've debated people in other denominations, but I insist I say, you know I'll only participate if we can if we can begin with our common ground. And once that's established, only then move to the diversity. Mm -hmm. Now, again, that that may be the way I'm wired, because uh, the test I took indicated that I'm a, you know, I'm a person who's looking for unity. I think, however, there are other types of people, um, and some of them have been Christian leaders who have emphasized the diversity. But I, I think that I have done my job if I can communicate, particularly to my students. But, you know, you you have listeners. I want to communicate to them. I want you to look at very carefully the common ground we have and also look uh, intently at the differences. And only then do I think you can come to a, a reasonable judgment about this issue. Because I think it's easy to gravitate toward one or the other. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I mean, if you said to someone... Um, it's always nice to meet someone who loves Jesus. You know, that's going to be a, probably a good starting point to see where you have unity or diversity.
1: I think so. Um, you know, I I have to tell you, I have met Christians. I, I remember I gave a talk. It was uh, it was to a group of of Roman Catholics, and uh, it was out here in in, in Santa Monica. Uh, and I walked in, and they introduced me as, you know, kind of a Protestant evangelical, and I could, could tell people were kind of looking at me, eyeballing me. But I said, you know, uh, I just want to tell you that my favorite Christian thinker outside the New Testament is St. Augustine. And so I gave a quote from the, the, the confessions, and I could tell they just they opened up. And, uh, you know, if I were to go into a Lutheran church, I'd quote Luther. If I were Mm in a Wesleyan church, I would quote quote John Wesley. Um, Again, John 17, Jesus Jesus there says that his prayer is that his people would be one the way the Father and the Son are one. That's no small unity. That's no small unity prayer on the part—and of course, the thing about Jesus, all of his prayers are answered, unlike mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all my prayers are answered, probably a good thing, but all of Jesus' prayers are answered. I want to be part of the answer of Jesus' prayer.
0: I like that. Now,
1: but, oh, go ahead, Ken. But it has to be truth, unity, and charity. I'm not going to back off the truth. I have to insist on truth. For example, I don't think that Jehovah's Witnesses are Christian. They deny the Trinity, the deity of Christ, salvation by grace. There are lines in the sand. But Orthodox Catholics and Protestants all have the same God and the same Jesus.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think of you as a speaker going in, and obviously a speaker who's trying to know his audience, but I also think of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians that I I've become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some.
1: You know what's really interesting, Bill, is when I talk with when I talk with Christian people in various denominations. Um, I, I begin to see their faith. You know, so, some people are very extroverted. Some people, um, you know, they their faith. They talk about their faith in very bold terms. There are other Christians, however, who are quiet, but they're very devout. And I just find it really um I, I find it fulfilling to talk to Christians and, and to move across lines. You know, we we, we often have these Calvinist Arminian battles where uh, you know, some in the Reformed faith, some in the in the Wesleyan faith, and and we kind of go back and forth. I, I like to I remember going into uh, a a Wesleyan seminary and saying, well, you know, I probably don't have all my beliefs in agreement with you, but I'm your friend. I'm your friend. I'm your brother. I'm your ally. And I love that. I mean, one of the things I love about studying about World War II is that the allies came together to battle totalitarianism and to stop the Holocaust you know that that's the way i think of my wife i the first thought that comes to my wife well there's a lot of thoughts i mean she's <laughs> my mm-hmm. she's my wife she's my lover she she's the mother of my kids but i think if i were to give one word she's my ally she's always there for me i don't ever have to question whether my wife is going to be there and Wow, that changes the relationship. If I can walk into a church and say, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's powerful.
0: That's powerful. I love it. Let me take one more break. Ken Samples is my guest. We have time for a question or two, if you'd like. We're talking about unity or diversity. He did a fascinating uh, experiment with his Facebook friends asking if unity or diversity in Christendom leaves the bigger impression on them. Guess what got the most votes was unity. That's good. We'll take a short break and be right back. Ken Samples, he's a philosopher and theologian, regular guest on the show. I love having him on. You go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken and his colleagues. The subject today has been on unity or diversity. And um, I'd like to kind of get back to the, the question that you posted on Facebook, just asking if unity or diversity in Christendom leaves the bigger impression on them. Which is it? And I, and I think uh, for those who are just joining the program, uh, unity got the most votes um but now i'm kind of cu- uh, curious ken as to uh you know where you find yourself landing on this issue
1: yeah thank you for asking that bill um, you know i i again i come back to this truth unity and charity i um jude 3 says that we need to contend for the faith uh you know we live at a cultural time where a lot of people have, uh, they view truth in very relativistic terms. Well, that's true for you, but not true for me, or everybody has their own truth. Well, I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. I believe there is ultimate truth, and Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. So I need to contend for truth. But within that contending for truth, I want to promote unity. And then thirdly, I want to always practice charity. Now, that's a tall order, I don't always succeed. Sometimes I end up uh kind of battling the differences, you know, getting into uh a contentious type of thing, but I I want to come away with a recognition that maybe I'm not always good at doing all three of these, but I want to contend for the truth, promote unity and practice charity. Now, where I come down um For me personally, I think the unity that various Christian denominations and branches have, in my mind, weighs more than the differences. But having said that, um, I also don't want to be um, naive. I don't want uh, people to think that I have not looked at very carefully at the differences. Uh, But I have to say, in my own church service, when we recite the Creed. We recite the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. On Trinity Sunday, we recite the Athanasian Creed. But I love hearing all these voices in unity reciting this creed. And um, for me, the unity of our faith gives uh, me—it is something that—it gives me joy, it gives me joy to know that uh, I am sharing my faith with. Uh, we might have some real differences, but that there is a fundamental agreement about who God is, who Christ is, um, and that and that salvation really is a, a gift of of God's grace. And you know, I uh, be, trying to be a gracious Christian is not always an easy thing. But you know, Bill, I, I have to tell you. Uh, I believe grace is the greatest gift in my life. It, it, it's the unmerited favor of God. God loves me, and I don't deserve it, and I could never earn it. It is a pure gift. I therefore conclude that if God has been so gracious to me, I must strive to be gracious to others, and maybe especially with those whom I disagree. Mm. And, and if I don't, if I'm not striving, then I think that there is a cognitive dissonance I have beliefs on one hand, but my acts are in contention with that. And I don't want that. I, I, want, to be, uh, I want to be a powerful contender for truth, but I also want people to know that uh, I believe in love, and I believe in forgiveness, and I therefore want to try to practice that in my life.
0: That's beautiful. So, when we're looking at issues of unity or diversity, and we're trying to handle issues regarding things like denominational traditions, how do you engage on those topics?
1: I, I like to I like to say, let's begin by building a bridge. Nice. Um, I want to build a bridge, and I, I then I'll talk about Jesus. I'll talk about this this great Savior that we have. I will talk about this man who healed the sick, healed the lame. I will talk about Christ coming into the world to save us. I think when we begin to build a bridge with people and talk about, hey, we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, We believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, uh, did miracles uh rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, will return bodily to the earth um uh, I think if we begin with the common ground, we can then have real dialogue and discussion and even debate of the differences but but then you remember i'm debating with a friend i'm debating with a brother or sister. Rather than I'm debating with an enemy, somebody who i am have you know con- contempt for, and you know i I'll tell you bill i've I read through first Corinthians thirteen and uh, there were times in my life where I thought, wow uh, I don't seem to reflect enough of what Paul is talking about there i need to I need to endeavor uh, you know to be patient, to be kind. I need, to, as hard as it may be, I need to work beyond holding a grudge. Um, I I want agape, and um, I think if you begin with the unity, you can then have real discussions. And and again, I don't want to appear Pollyannish. I don't want to appear naive. There are real and possibly intractable differences among Orthodox. Catholic, and Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for that, Ken. We just have a couple of minutes left. I um, talked earlier in the program uh, before you came on about God's sovereignty and his character and his, um, his control over the world. So we have a big election tomorrow. Uh, do you have any words of, uh, of hope for people that are trusting completely in God's sovereignty and trusting his, his handiwork and all of uh, what's going on in the world?
1: I, I do, Bill. I, I, you know, I'm I'm an American. I'm an American citizen. I I take great pride in being an American. My my father fought in the Second World War. My my great uncle fought in the First World War. I have uh, relatives who were both on the Confederate and the Union side uh, in the Civil War.
0: Wow.
1: I I take my citizenship very seriously. I try to do my best research, investigate the the candidates and the issues, and I try to carry out my civic duty. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that God is sovereign, and his hand is behind the world, and he, His sovereignty is involved in world events and so uh, my candidate that i 'll vote for tomorrow may win or he may lose. Mm-hmm but God's sovereignty will never change.
0: I appreciate that. That's really a nice uh, place to end. Ken, thank you so much. It's a fascinating experiment you did on Facebook, and I appreciate you sharing the results, and I've, uh, I've learned a lot, so thank you once again. Always a pleasure being with you, Bill. Thank you. Well, my listeners love you, and, and, and so do I. So thanks, Ken. Have a great, uh, great night. Bye-bye. Yep. Ken Samples has been my guest. You can head to reasons.org. To learn more about Ken. And uh, he has authored several books, and they're great books. Classic Christian Thinkers, Seven Truths That Changed the World, and God Among Sages are just three of his many he's uh, written. That wraps up our show. So tomorrow, I understand, is election day. So let's uh, make sure we spend lots of time praying for our country and our leaders and our fellow citizens and our brothers and sisters in Christ that we might be peacemakers in the world and and do our very best to show the love of Christ everyone we uh, come across. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow.